Hello and welcome to episode 3 of The Counterbreaker, Keep It Clutch. In this week's episode, we'll be looking at the mindset behind clutch play, all the latest in season 3 news and a special interview with Omega Sparks and Swats. A big thank you to everyone getting the word out there about the podcast. I genuinely can't thank everyone enough. I'm still blown away by the response, but mark my words, I'm going to go all out over the next few weeks to improve and refine the podcast to make it an even better listen. So just to get a few thank yous and shout outs out of the way, a big shout out to the NBA, Robin Hoods and Turbo Tuesdays crew for the endless retweets and links to the podcast. Thank you to my wonderful girlfriend Saz for another excellent piece of episode art and a huge thank you to Sightless Combat. For those who don't know, Sightless Combat is a blind killer instinct player from the UK who plays primarily using the game's audio. Now recently, we spent a few hours running sets and discussing how the game and its audio work. It was an awesome experience and actually helped my game out a ton. We finished the set with some blindfolded games to test out what I'd learned. And while it wasn't easy, I applied his advice to play the game without looking. So thank you so much for that, man, and we'll definitely run sets again soon. I highly recommend checking out his YouTube videos as he has plenty of in-depth guides to his play style on there. I'll post a link in the episode description for you guys to check out. As I'm sure you all know, it's been a busy few weeks in the world of Killer Instinct, so let's get right into it with this episode's news. Firstly, let's address the elephant in the room and get this out of the way right off the bat. There have been some alleged leaks about Season 3 during the rounds. Now, I'm a big hater of spoilers and I'm not into speculation, so I'm not going to discuss any of the leaks in this episode. But if you are interested in finding out more, Google is your friend. And many sites such as shoryuken.com have articles discussing the leaks and rumours there. With that said, even without the leaks, there are a huge amount of things to talk about this week. The Iron Galaxy crew finally unveiled the Season 3 UI during their stream this week, showcasing the new purple and green colour scheme. Season 2 players will find the menus pretty unchanged, but that goes out the window with the all-new character and stage select screens. Sporting a sweet new hexagonal design, it strikes me as a mix of Mortal Kombat X and Ultra Street Fighter 4. With large animated character walk-ins like MKX, and a simple set of character portraits to choose from. The stage select screen takes a similar approach, with each stage in a rectangle. The interesting thing is the music select option, allowing players to choose which character theme plays on which stage. Many players have been asking about how they'd address each character not having a stage, but still having a theme, and this seems to be Iron Galaxy's answer. I'm quite into the idea given the quality of the theme songs. Sometimes you just need to hear a certain song to get pumped up for the fight, and now you've got that option. During the same stream, a big change was revealed. Level 4 Enders now have their own ultimate-like animations, blacking out the screen and zooming in on key moments of the Ender. It's a pretty significant change, and it definitely draws attention to a level 4 cash-out, making it seem like more of an achievement. Plus, it's definitely more of a spectacle than the current build. On the subject of changes, shadow effects have now changed colour, along with the shadow gauges, which are both now purple. 
According to the stream, this is storyline related and is based on Gargos corrupting the world. The stream also showed off the costumes and accessories available for Rash and Kim Wu. Rash in particular stealing the show with a selection of comedy wigs, hats, and best of all, a full rareware cosplay set featuring a Conker helmet and Banjo-Kazooie backpack. There was also a split-second look at Tusk's classic costume, which looked incredibly faithful to his KI Gold outfit, at least based on the screen grab and half a second of screen time it received. On March 15th, Ultimate Source finally released the first wave of their highly anticipated Killer Instinct figure line. The initial wave consists of Jago, Shadow Jago, Hisako, Fulgore, and of course my favourite, Saberwolf, with each figure coming with accessories and their colour 10 costume code to use when Season 3 drops. Shadow Jago actually comes with costume 11, as the limited edition figure came with costume 10. Ultimate Source have tweeted that limited edition buyers shouldn't pick up Shago just for the extra costume, although no further details were mentioned. Over the past few weeks, Cell Dweller and Atlas Plug have posted some excellent making of videos for the new character themes. I highly recommend checking them out. As a musician, I find them pretty fascinating. They cover everything from approaches to the Arbiter vocals to some of the traditional instrumentation on Kim Woo's theme. If you check the video description, I'll have links for you there. Finally, in big news, by the time you listen to this, the Ultra Edition of Season 3 will be available for pre-order on Xbox Live. The bundle costs £31.99 or $39.99 and consists of 8 characters, 8 retro costumes, bonus character colours, a double XP booster, and 18,000 KI gold to spend on costumes. There was no further information on any additions to the roster beyond Rash, Arbiter, Tusk and Kim Wu, but we do now know that the final 4 characters will be released over the course of the season, as opposed to being released in another group of 4. Pre-ordering now means no waiting on launch day, which is a masterstroke given how long some updates can take. So, with the news finished, let's get to the meat of this week's episode. This episode's theme is Clutch It Out. I'm going to look at turning losing situations around and scoring wins from a losing position. When you look back at fighting game tournaments, the hypest moments often come from games where the deck is stacked against a player, and somehow, they manage to pull it out of the bag and win. It's incredible to watch players go all out, play smartly, and do the impossible, but it's not something that every player believes that they're capable of. While it's not easy, I do believe that there are ways of pulling these sort of incredible comebacks off, and today, I'm going to go into my personal approach to win in losing battles. I will say this, this isn't something you're just going to listen to and be able to pull off straight away, but it is something that once you understand the basics of it, you'll be able to apply to your games, and with practice, you'll be able to pull it off. So you found yourself on your final 25% health, your opponent's not even hit their second life bar. Looks pretty grim, right? Well, let's take a few steps and look at how we can turn that around. Firstly, don't panic. 
Keeping your cool and forward planning are key. Losing your composure and panicking are going to be hugely detrimental to your game. Instead, take a breath and focus on the task at hand. The next thing I do is set small goals. It's easy to say, well, my goal should be killing the opponent. But in reality, to do this, you're going to need to take baby steps, whittling through your opponent's defense, making the game harder for them to close out. So small goals, leading to bigger things is the aim. Winning the fight will only come as a byproduct of achieving these, so for me, they're pretty important steps. Let's say I'm fighting an Argonos who's on four chunks. One goal would be to get rid of those chunks so I can better attack him. It might be that my opponent Sidira has instinct ready to use. I'm going to have to find a way of forcing her to waste it. Maybe my opponent's got a meter lead and they've caused me a lot of problems with shadow moves in the match so far. I need to find a way of baiting them into wasting meter. These are obstacles getting in the way of my game plan. They've clearly put me in a bad position already so I need to adapt and take command of the situation by removing them from the equation. Whatever the situation my opponent has over me, I make taking those options away my primary goal. I'm going to do what I can to limit my opponent's offensive and defensive trump card so that I can make my life easier later in the game. To do this effectively, I'm going to need to look at what tools I have at my disposal. How much meter, instinct and health do I have? Do I have any useful moves or movement tools that can aid me in this situation? What I'm going to do is essentially budget my resources. Meter, instinct and health are all currency when my back is against the wall. For example, I'm playing as Saberwolf against an Argonos on four chunks. I have one bar of meter left. I could use that bar for a shadow eclipse when my opponent jumps in, but that won't solve the chunk problem. So instead, I'm going to save that bar for a moment I can land a shadow ragged edge to take the four chunks away in one single attack, leaving Argonos open to my pokes and mix-ups. I might save instinct to make an attack safe rather than use it offensively given my low health. Should I need to try a risky setup, I'm risking less using instinct than I am taking the damage. I may even use it if I'm certain my opponent will waste meter on a shadow counter attempt, giving me a meter denial and a free punish. My aim here is to treat instinct as my get out of jail free card, only using it when necessary and again using it to deny my opponent a useful tool that they could use to finish the fight. Health is also a hugely important part of my game plan. It's something I can basically spend to gain the upper hand. For example, blocking an opponent's attack rather than attempting to dodge it because the chip damage will give me some valuable instinct and shadow meter. If I'm up against the Jago, for example, maybe it's worth getting hit with a shadow dragon punch just so the opponent doesn't have meter there to punish me with a level 4 instinct ender later on, given they'll both gain health and cause big damage to me. That's not to say I'll recklessly let my opponent bully me with chip damage, but I'll certainly look out for situations where I can better my position, be it meter or instinct gain. Once I've looked at resources and tools, it's time to knuckle down and play with caution. Defense is important. Blocking and evading well will lead to some easy punishes, and every little bit of damage counts when you're on death's door. Playing smartly 
not rushing in for the sake of it and biding your time only helps to frustrate the opponent and frustration can lead to the sort of mistakes you need to happen to close out the comeback. Make your opponent take the risks and you'll be in a better position to punish your opponent. Sometimes when you assess the situation, playing defensively just won't do the job. In those situations where only rushdown will do, I'd suggest focusing on short, sustained bursts of pressure. Make every hit count. Don't go all out on long combos and counter-breaker attempts unless your opponent really can't deal with them. Instead, focus on making sure you're always cashing out the damage, being mindful of your opponent's meter and instinct. There's nothing more heartbreaking than risking your meter only to be combo broken while your opponent heals back all the potential damage. In these clutch situations, you have nothing to lose, so trying things isn't a bad option. If you don't counter break much, now might be the time. It's risky, but if your opponent's very keen to break combos, you should punish them for it. The risk is outweighed by the reward sometimes. Clutch play isn't an exact science. It's very much down to luck, but by following these pieces of advice, I hope that you can stack the deck in your favour. So this week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Omega Sparks and his rap partner Swats on Skype. So without further ado, here's the interview. So first and foremost, thank you so much to you guys for appearing on the podcast. Um, Game Breakers 1 and 2 are incredible records. Um, so how did that collaboration come about? <laughs> It's been, it's been a it's been a long time coming. Um, I mean, Jarrell and I, Omega Sparks and I, we we met in college, and uh, we've been fast friends ever since. Uh, I think what was it, Jarrell? I was sitting in my room with my door open, playing my Dreamcast, and playing you like pop by. <laughs> King of Fighters, King of Fighters '98. '98. Um, don't age us, man. Don't age us, man. <laughs> I know. <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a bit of King of Fighters. King of Fighters yeah. 95 oh, was yeah. my that, jam on I'm a King of Fighters head. But um, so all that came to pass. I mean, we've been, you know, hanging out, fast friends ever since. And uh, Jarrell, he, he hit me up one time a couple years ago. He was like, hey, we should, we should make some music about video games. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, he, he had a wild idea and it, it just started coming into fruition and uh sparks i'll let you talk some more about uh how it came to be yeah man uh so it was a a twinkle a glimmer in our eyes you know we um we grew up fascinated fascinated loving video games and video games is what kind of connected us as brothers and uh we had a lot in common uh as far as for our likes and um you know growing up playing the same video games and I tell you, I just this passion. I love gamers. I'm a gamer myself, and to me, the idea of being an MC is someone that can write for the perspective of a group of people, inspire them. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was untapped potential to just write music that gamers can love, that gamers can play while they're playing their favorite video games, and I. Uh, I saw it as a, excuse, I saw it as a, a lyrical challenge for myself as well. Just really diving into the lore and characters that that make up the games that we grew up on, 
and really from a, a hip hop lyrical standpoint really represent those games and so uh, that's where the fascination came from and we just uh, stepped out on faith and just did it and we're seeing tremendous success and connecting with gamers worldwide. Yeah, I think what you touch on lyrically is what makes the Game Breaks record so unique. Um, obviously, you reference the lore as opposed to just sampling something from a, from a song. Appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's uh, it's definitely been a, a big part of the formula, man. Uh, I, I don't want to say we're trying to save hip hop, but uh, we we definitely wanted to focus on you know that lyricism and making sure people can get the references. And it's something that, you know, people can listen to and then listen to again and catch something they missed. Then listen to again and catch five things they missed. And, you know, it's like it's building experience. So. so a lot of the songs on the record actually reference stuff like Evo and the fighting oh, game yeah. community. Yes. Um, have you guys ever competed at Evo? Um, we have competed in tournaments locally. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, yeah. You know, I was following Evo for years. Um, big fans of Justin Wong and Daigo the Beast Umahara and yes, Daigo. You know, Mike Mike Ross and a lot of guys that's become celebrities at this point. Um, I, I was one of those. You know, one out of two hundred thousand people that, that was watching Evo four or five years ago when they started streaming live, and I just just fell in love with it and got a chance to speak with. One of the guys on staff about, you know, give me a shot. I'd love to do a theme song, a hype song for Evo. I think it was in 2013. And Evo gave me a shot. And I remember just running like a little like a little school kid telling Sean about it. Like, hey, man, oh, my gosh. You know, Evo is going to let me do a, do a song for Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3. And, you know, um, Sean has been uh, just a lyrical advisor to me as far as making sure I represented each character in the song. Um, even if I'm referencing one super move or referencing, you know, a character for a moment, making sure I'm spot on so I, I can really do the games justice, you know, and, and, and honor those games. And it's been uh, history since then. So Evo was the launching pad to doing the Killer Instinct um, song. <laughs> you're far too good at this that was actually going to be my next question so um how did you end up working with mick gordon because uh for the listeners who don't know uh, mick gordon was the guy who actually did the soundtracks for season one and season two that uh omega did the theme song for tj combo on back to rise yes <laughs> i get a, a tweet um on twitter from uh, a guy named mick gordon and he said, hey, uh, I just heard you on Evo, and uh, I'd like to speak to you about something. And uh, I just kind of felt um, I, I had not had the pleasure of knowing, uh, following Mick at that point yet. So I said, I just felt like it was something special in the air. So I said, you know, um, whoever you are, here's my phone number. Let's talk tonight. And from there, <laughs> um, Mick and the rest of the guys at uh, Iron Galaxy, and, and Microsoft, they, they gave me a shot. I didn't for the part. Uh, they liked my audition, audition demo. Once again, like a school kid, running <laughs> to SWAT, saying, hey, man, what the Oh, my gosh. And so um, from there, it was history. Uh, I, I say to me, it is um, a cutting-edge, revolutionary, just uh, next-gen sound designer. It was an absolute pleasure in working with him. Um, and... Um, it's just awesome, you know, from a from a music artist 
standpoint, it's one thing to say, hey, I love to work with some professional people in the industry, but actually getting that opportunity, it was it was kind of surreal that he is a just a uber excellent professional sound designer. Yeah, I definitely can't argue with that. The season one and two soundtracks are absolutely incredible. Yeah. So coming back to Game Breakers, uh, you guys actually did a show this week, right? Yes, yeah. our very first. Uh, oh, I'm let's I'm let's watch talk about that. It was it was yeah. awesome. It, it was a uh, it was an amazing experience, man. It was our our first time getting on stage together as Game Breaks, and um, I, I really think we did a great job. I mean, just the the crowd vibe, the feeling getting up there with my boy uh, Mega Sparks. Just uh, it, it's something about when you perform live that that this awesomeness comes out of each performer. Um, you, you get up there and you start doing things that you've been thinking about or without even thinking about it. And um, it just it's, it's magic. But uh, it was a great show in Greensboro. We both uh, uh, went to school in Greensboro, North Carolina. So it was good being back. We felt the love there and uh, just to rock out for everybody there. It felt good at the headline. The show was, it was just awesome. So will there be uh, any surprise appearances at Evo from you guys maybe performing live? <laughs> We're well, trying to work on it. <laughs> well. I'll definitely tweet to Mr. Wizard and uh, get the uh, listeners to try to see if we can make this happen. Please do. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Game Breakers mm-hmm. touches on a lot of different games. It's not just like FGC focused. I mean, there are guys like Red Rapper that mainly focus on the FGC. Um, are there any actual genres or yeah. games that you're still dying to do a song for for uh, a future Game Breakers record? Oh yeah, yeah. We got a lot of we got a lot of feedback from Volume One as far as for a couple of games and uh, genres that people wanted us to address in Volume Two. And um, I guess the sky's the limits. You know, we like to reference nostalgia. You know games that we grew up on we like to uh be a little cutting edge and we wanna uh, <laughs> there's there's so many titles that we want to address uh <laughs> i guess coming to mind just we one thing one thing with with game with game breaks is with our songs we like to mash up games and genres like um one song on volume two is uh called draw the line where it's it's a mashup it's a space adventure mashup between mass effect and metroid and so uh, you know the skies are the limits for volume three and and beyond maybe like a hubert cross pac-man <laughs> cross kirby <laughs> cross. so no chibi robo rap in the pipeline hey, oh. i hear you man <laughs> yeah 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 oh so obviously we've talked a lot about video games, but what are you guys' musical influences? Swat, uh, what's your for me? For me, man, I gotta say, Buster Rhymes, um, Method Man, um, th- those are probably two of my top two, man. Um, but Buster Rhymes took me through uh, middle school and high school, and just the way he was able to twist words and have fun while he's doing it, and his explosive energy is just really really cool and uh i'm also a also a uh, childish gambino fan if uh if he's listening <laughs> he's a pretty pretty cool guy so yeah 
if he is listening, I am definitely doing something right with this podcast. <laughs> <Awesome. laughs> so, Omega, how about you? Uh, what were your influences growing up? Uh, you know, Busta Rhymes and Eminem. I like. I'm when it, when it comes to writing a song, I am um, I am so technical, and I appreciate the, the technicality that. Uh, some MCs like a Busta Rhymes, Eminem, um, even now nowadays with Kendrick Lamar, they're, they're so crafty. They're so you know it's 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 freedom and it's constricting at the same time. Like there is truly an art to writing a song, and I just I get a lot of influence even you know outside of hip hop. Just I love talented songwriters because um, I see their, 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 their technique and their their blood, sweat, and tears you know behind. You know, crafting the song. You know, it's it's sitting down, looking at a blank sheet of paper, and creating something from it. It's, it's like it is so freeing, so challenging at the same time. But yeah, those, those were some of my guys. Uh, Eminem is uh, he's up there. He just he took hip hop just to another level just with his with his technique. So obviously, uh, Omega worked on the Killer Instinct soundtrack. Um, are there any more games in the pipeline that you guys will be working on? Oh, not not yet. We uh we have a few things coming down the line that are top secret. But um, it is. Let me say one thing about Swats is he is uh he's been my brother. He's been uh part of the Think Trust, uh, the Think Tank. Uh, he's been behind the scenes with me every step of the way um, with my endeavors in the, the video game industry. And it, it has been an absolute joy having him come front and center to the foreground um, on volume two. And uh, is, like he said, sky's the limits. Uh, we we want to we want to be in the in the midst. You know, there, there's some amazing sound designers like Nick Gordon out there. And, uh, we want to add a fresh new perspective to um you know, to us, uh, video game sound design, not just not just hip hop. Uh, we have a, a we have a small army of talented producers, DJs, uh, musicians behind us, and you're gonna you're gonna see game breaks take video game music to levels that no one is expecting. So obviously, Sean said he plays a lot of King of Fighters. Um, what fighting games are you actually into? So. When I when I go over Swat's house and we have uh, we have these uh, gaming sessions that probably last about four or five four or five hours. Um, yeah, yeah. Which you're usually on the losing end, but that's okay. Whatever. No way. See, he, <laughs> he kicks he kicks my butt in all the S and K games. You know, yes. I, I, I. But then I get him in the Capcom games. Capcom. You know, the, you know, with combos and. <laughs> special arts and all that that's how i get you bro um okay. so I, I i get him i get him on, on the capcom side he gets me on the snk side that's why one of our favorite games that we played a lot was uh capcom versus snk one and two um because that was kind of like yeah the merging of those worlds but uh yeah capcom all, all day I, I i love street fighter five is amazing you know yes it um is. Me, me and uh, Swats and I, we recently uh, like a hundred matches. Uh, he got he got the better of me because you know I, I didn't you know I was at his house and I didn't want him to feel so sad. <laughs> I didn't want him to feel sad in his own house. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I might have pulled. I might have pulled some punches, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, who are you guys actually main in in Street Fighter Five? Oh man, I might have to go with uh, Sean's sister, man. As soon as I found out she was Sean's sister, so first off, my my Ooh. real name is Sean. My real name is Sean. So when Street Fighter Three came out, and they had a character who was darker skin complexion named Sean, I fell in love immediately. Um, and then his sister comes along. You must have been pretty disappointed when he turned out to be quite low tier. <laughs> I did, I did, but it's still I, I take a bottom tier character and make him a top tier character when I play as him. You can ask, you can ask Sparks about that, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Laura is my main on Street Fighter Five. It's funny because Cammy was my main in Street Fighter Four. And now I'm in love with Cammy. Uh, I'm in love with Cammy. I think they, this iteration of Cammy is great. They finally got it right. You know her um, her spin, back fist move, everything. I'm I'm loving Cammy. Really easy to pull off her combos. Um, so and I, yeah, kudos kudos to Capcom for Street Fighter Five. Like they're I feel like they're kind of uh, nerfing the, you know, the fireball characters a lot. You know, um, I tried to use, you know, Ryu a lot in Street Fighter Five, and I wasn't able to really, like, um, you know, keep people at bay with my fireballs, like, in, in previous Street Fighter games. So, uh, I like that. I think the the level, it's level playing ground like never before. I, I really love Street Fighter Five. So besides just being on the soundtrack, do you guys actually play any Killer Instinct? Yes. Played a good, yes. Play a good bit of it, yeah. Um, Jago, Jago was my guy. This is Swats up here. Jago was my guy. A um, lot of combos. I, I love just his moves. Um, on the original Killer Instinct that came out, I tried to be a Jago guy, but I just couldn't do it. And I felt like when they re-released him in these newer games, I was just like, ha, oh, he's awesome. Sparks, who do you like? Um, TJ Combo, I'm sorry. <laughs> TJ Combo, and I, I gotta, I gotta admit, you know, I, I played through the, I played through the storyline of uh, most of the characters, and I, sadly, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't compete online like I, like I really, you know, wanted to, like I, I should have up to this point. But now that um, you know, we're getting season three, and it's coming on Windows 10. And it's gonna be cross-play between Xbox One and and, uh, and Windows 10 devices. Uh, I, I think there's there's more life that's about to surge back into Killer Instinct, and I, I think the community has just been just totally awesome, and um, I, I love it. Yeah, I think the community is probably one of the most incredible things about Killer Instinct. So talking about the community, obviously I'm sure they're quite keen to get their hands on the new record. So uh, Game Breaks Volume 2 is actually available right now on Bandcamp, yes, right? it's available on Bandcamp. It's going to be available everywhere. iTunes, Amazon, uh, and, and physical copies, and t-shirts, and fanny packs. Not fanny packs, but um, no fanny packs. No that's that's, that's, that's uh, mid-tier, um, third quarter um, DLC. <laughs> but, uh, no, just kidding. But um, yeah, it's gonna be available everywhere else. We we love Bandcamp. Bandcamp is a is a great site. You can also get it on our store store.gamebreaks.com as well as uh, Volume One other uh, merchandise. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's available right now on Bandcamp our store. <laughs> well, it's pretty late right now, so um, yeah, I won't keep you guys much longer. But um, yeah, do you guys have a message for the Killer Instinct community? Uh, thanks for staying up with us, man. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting the game. Thank you for supporting the soundtrack. Um, you know, you guys brought life and kept life in this game and, and, and you know, you have a community um, with along with the other players in the worldwide. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, just, just, just that played a, a minor part in the success of the game. Thank you so much. And, and I mean, it, it should be about the gamer. It should be about the gamers, you know. And so uh, I say long live Killer Instinct and any other sequels they come out with in the future. And I really, really hope the crossplay between Windows 10 computers and Xbox One, I just really hope this bridges the gap. Like, Killer Instinct is really still being edge, even though it's been out for you know, over a year. Uh, it's still cutting edge. It's still revolutionary. It's bridging the gap between computers and consoles, and it's, it's because of you that this is a it's a reality. And so, um, I just hope the community keeps growing. Yeah. Um, again, just thank you to everybody uh, for supporting us. Like Sparks said, I mean, it is about you guys, fans. Um, just listening to the album. Thanks for playing the games. Thanks for being gamers. I mean, Sparks and I have been gamers all our lives. We even wrote a song about it. Um, it's something that we enjoy. It's something that we feel like everybody should enjoy. And uh, let's say that. So thanks for holding true. And uh, game on. So I do have one last question. Uh, this is for Omega Sparks. Um, can I get a quick I'm back? <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Um, yeah, thanks to you both for actually appearing on the show. Like, really appreciate it. For the listeners, make sure you check out the new record, Game Breakers 2, on Bank. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity, bro. Thanks, man. A huge thank you to Omega and Swats for taking their time out to talk to me. You can get their new record, Game Breakers 2, on gamebreakers.bandcamp.com. So on the competitive front... On March 18th in Atlanta, Final Round 19 takes place and we'll be hosting Killer Instinct. Looking at Twitter, there are some serious heavyweights attending and it'll be one of the final, pun intended, Season 2 majors. The event is streaming all weekend, so make sure you catch it on Twitch. That's about it for this episode. Episode 4 will be out in about three weeks and it'll be a hype-spotting special featuring interviews with all the top place players in this year's event, the results, and all of the news coming out of the Season 3 release. Finally, thank you for checking out the final Counterbreaker of Season 2. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. So until next time... I'm afraid your path ends here.